Hey, by show of hands and noise, how many of you grew up sheltered? Anybody? Woo! Wow. Is that everyone? That was the easiest question I've ever asked. That's amazing. I wasn't expecting that, honestly. Uh, but I was sheltered just like you. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but one time when I was a kid, I was given this assignment in school. And this is how bad the sheltered life was in the household uh, that I lived in. I was given this assignment to read Harry Potter. And so my mom uh, found out about this assignment. And so she made a rule. She's like, Dale, what you're going to do is if you're going to read this book, you can read it, but it's never going to enter our house. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, seriously, that, we, don't, we don't deal with those evil spirits here in, in our household. So if you bring it home, you have to leave it in the garage. It will never enter into the threshold of our house. And I was like, that sounds insane. Like this is an actual assignment that's been given by the school. And you're saying, I can't read it inside the house. She's like, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like, okay. People are going to think I'm an idiot. And so that's, that's one of the many ways that I was sheltered. But this came in many different forms. And in fact, I remember at one point in my life getting in trouble for something in particular. I remember we were, a group of friends and I had gone to the mall. And we had gone to the mall and, you know, one thing led to another, like, let's go watch a movie. And so we, we go to watch this movie and I just knew that my mom was not going to appreciate me watching this film. And uh, so when I get home, she's like, what'd you do today? I'm like, you know, we went to the mall. She's like, well, what'd you do at the mall? I said, we went to a movie. She's like, what movie? I'm like, American Pie. And she's like, American What? And I was like, yeah. She's like, which one? I was like, the Naked Mile. She's like, what? Are you serious? Like, this is insane. And immediately I knew. I was like, I'm, I'm dead. Somebody, like, I, I just, I am in so much trouble. And she rebuked me. And I uh, was disciplined accordingly. And it's funny now to you, but it wasn't funny then to me. So I don't know why you're laughing. Uh, but there are these different moments in life where I remember being rebuked. And we, we can joke because it was about sheltered things. But there was even a moment when I was about 16 where I was going through a season of rebellion. And what that looked like in this particular season of my life was I was just enjoying the things of the world. I was, I was drinking as much as I wanted. I was, you know, smoking weed and, and was in some inappropriate relationships sexually that, that were just pretty destructive. And so I was 16 and all this is happening. And there was this moment of time where we were caught. And what ended up happening was another discipline, rebuke. I was grounded for what felt like the entire summer. My mom tried to send me to like every Christian summer camp that existed because of the bad that I had just done. And that rebuke changed my life. There was a moment of correction that changed my life. And it was really, really hard looking back. But it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. And so tonight, I want you to know that what we're going to look at in Scripture is about complacency. Specifically, the word that's going to be used in the text is going to, is going to say lukewarm. And I equate that to complacency. And, and I just want you to know, for those that haven't been around, we're starting a new series called C's Get Degrees. 
If uh, that's, I remember a lot in college, there are a lot of people that got C's and C's can get you through school. I know, trust me. And, uh, but the reality is they aren't always what's best for you. And so the C's that we're gonna talk about, like complacency, this C isn't what's best for you. Honestly, you could probably get through college with it though. Just like the grades, the C grades, but it isn't what's best for us. And so we're going to look at this rebuke that's given to a complacent group, a church in Laodicea. And I want you to know tonight that the reason why we should listen is because a rightly received rebuke can change our lives. A rightly received rebuke can change our lives. And for me, in fact, a, a rightly received rebuke. By God's grace, I received a rebuke and it changed my eternity. Because I went from being a kid who didn't just grow up in the church. I wasn't just around the church. I was in church every day. My school was in my church, right? I had done that. I had been in that for years. Yet there was this moment of rebuke where I was exposed. And I went from being just somebody who was a Christian. And I I saw rightly, I'm a sinner And I'm in need of a savior. But I want to warn you tonight as I open up, just setting the stage for this rebuke, I want you to know that you don't need rebellion to receive a rebuke tonight. I'm going to give us a rebuke from scripture. We simply need God to soften our hearts, uh, give us a willingness to hear the rebuke so we can be changed. And honestly, we don't need to send this, this podcast to our friend in rebellion necessarily like we need to listen to it for ourselves so I'm gonna pray again because it's not a transition and I'm gonna pray that you and I would be able to receive this rebuke from scripture would you pray with me would you bow your heads Lord thank you for the great grace that you've shown us in sending your son to die for us. Father, would you help us to listen? Forgive us for when we don't. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Allow us to receive the rebuke. May it change our lives. May it change our eternities. And may the way that it impacts us, the way that you show us your love, would that change the way we treat others and eventually change the world? Would you do that with the breadcrumbs of this night? Would you feed, multiply it to a generation? Would tonight be the night? Please, Lord. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those who grew up in the Baptist church, tonight's your lucky night because the outline is three R's. We're going to go through uh, a rebuke. We're going to go through a reason for the rebuke. And then we're going to see the response that we should have to the rebuke. 
So rebuke, reason, response, that's where we're going to be tonight as we go through. Uh, We're going to be in Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22. If you want to turn in your Bibles there. What you need to know is that John is writing the book, but Jesus is speaking. In this particular passage, Jesus is speaking to different churches and he's giving different warnings and encouragements. And we're going to look specifically at the church in Laodicea. Historically, they're a rich city. They had an earthquake and they were so rich and self-sufficient because of their thriving medical and textile industries that they declined imperial disaster relief. Let me just give you a glimpse of like what Laodicea would have been like in Texas. I'm just going to go ahead and throw some shade at some local cities. Uh, First, this would be, Laodicea would be like the Highland Park of Dallas. Like, and if an earthquake hit Highland Park, like FEMA wouldn't come in. Highland Park would be like, everyone stay out. We're going to take care of this. Okay. Or Hey, Houston, I'm gonna hate on you for a second. Royal Oaks. You don't need it. Or excuse me. Is it Royal Oaks? River Oaks. I'm from Houston. What is going on? I've been gone too long, y'all. Forgive me, Lord. River Oaks. If River Oaks had an earthquake, they'd be like, everyone stay away. We got this under control. And then don't even let me forget about Waco. I don't care enough about Austin. Waco, like if an earthquake came to Woodway, they'd be like, nope, everyone's, we got it under control. Woodway can handle it. Waco wouldn't need to go help Woodway. Woodway needs to help Waco, right? That we need to spread the love. That's Laodicea. They had an earthquake, devastating. They're like, we don't need your support, people. And so Jesus is writing to this church in this city. And in verse 14 is where we're going to pick up. If you'll read with me. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea writes, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. This is like, hey, I'm in authority. Jesus is speaking. He's like, I've been in authority since the beginning of time. And I have something for you. This is what I have for you. Verse 15, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. There's the rebuke. First thing that we see here is this rebuke that you are neither hot nor cold. You have the works, but you lack the appearance of godliness. And in fact, like hot would be, you know, Jesus, you're on fire for Jesus. Everything's about Jesus. Your life revolves around Jesus. You abide in Jesus. You are are, are not living for yourself. You're denying yourself daily, as scripture would say. Those people are the people that are hot. They're on fire. They know Jesus. And then there's cold people. And honestly, Jesus is saying, you want to be hot or cold. Cold people are people like, I don't believe in this God thing. I'm an agnostic. I'm an atheist. Straight up. We don't need to play this game. I don't mess with that stuff. Jesus is saying, you should prefer to be hot or cold because Jesus uses sinners, right? He can use anyone. He, tax collectors, those people were the sinners of the day. Those are exactly who Jesus can work with. And hot people are already who Jesus is working with. 
God can use a sinner because he knows he's a sinner. God can use a sinner and who knows and accepts the savior. The last thing is that Jesus is saying, hey, you don't want to be lukewarm. It's hard to show people that are dead that they're, or excuse me, I need to read my notes. It's hard to show people that they are dead when they think they are alive. That's lukewarm. It's like, you want to be hot or cold. You want to be alive or you want to be dead. You don't want to be dead and actually think you're alive. That's what lukewarm is. If I just lost you because of the, the complexity of that, come back with me. The rebuke is, you are lukewarm. You're not hot or cold. And honestly, just, just ask yourself tonight, am I lukewarm? And I would be willing to admit, or I would be willing to guess that the majority of us would be like, yeah. Like, I don't even need to be, you don't even need to show me what lukewarm looks like. Like, I, I think that's me. And what we see about lukewarm people in verse 17 is that they say that they're rich. They say that they've prospered. They say that I need nothing, but in reality, they're poor. So there's this rebuke. You're lukewarm and you don't see yourself rightly. You don't think you need God. You think you're rich. You think you're prosperous. And Jesus is saying to this church, you're not. Wake up. You're lukewarm. And the root cause of lukewarm, I think we see in verse 17, it's just this idea that we don't think we need God. And again, this is written to a church. Jesus is warning a church, a group of people that are gathering together, that are members of the body of Christ. And he's saying, hey, some of you are claiming to be Christians and you're really not. And he's giving this warning to a church. And so you may be lukewarm if. I've written a few things down that I think can help us in ways that I think many of us fall into the trap of being lukewarm. You may be lukewarm if you claim to be a follower of Christ, but you prioritize and justify everything in your life above spending time with him. You may be a follower of Christ, but you prefer your design for sex primarily above God's design for sex to be within marriage. You may be lukewarm if you claim to be a follower of Christ and you attend church, but you don't want to be in community. You don't want to be connected rightly and you certainly don't want to serve. Or you may be lukewarm if you claim to be a follower of Christ and getting drunk at Dia or Sing Party or underage are your get out of jail free cards. You may be a follower of Christ, but you can't even receive this message because you're already thinking of how it's for somebody else like your roommate or the person down the hall or this person or that person, but certainly not for you. You claim to be a follower of Christ, but you don't ever listen to him in prayer through a day. You claim to be in relationship with him, but you don't talk to him. You claim to be a follower of Christ, but you don't deny yourself daily as the Bible has told us to do each and every day. In short, you and I might be lukewarm if we claim to be a follower of Christ, but don't live as if he exists. Welcome to Vertical tonight. I think we're done playing games. The reason why 
this rebuke is important is because in this passage, it tells us what God is going to do with the people that are lukewarm. In the scripture, it says, I will spit you out of my mouth. And we don't need to look at the Greek. The Greek word for spit means lugi. And this means that Jesus will spit us out of his mouth. Like we don't need to look at the Greek to figure out what this means, right? I don't want us to, to, to lose sight of this because of the imagery or the metaphor here. I don't want you to be lukewarm until death. And then you stand before the throne and God doesn't say, well done, good and faithful servant. And you say, but I prophesied in your name. I've done all these works in your name. Remember the church in Laodicea, Jesus says, I've seen your works. You say all these things that you've done in Jesus's name. And he's like, depart from me. I never knew you. He picks you up. He puts, in, he puts you in his mouth and he spits you over the edge all the way apart or to an eternity apart from him. Don't let the imagery take away from the truth. And I honestly like the, the, the rightful question is that all of us should consider are lukewarm people saved? Like, that's all I think about. I'm like, well, if I've been lukewarm before, does this mean that I'm not a Christian? Like you should rightfully think that. And this says he'll spit us out. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. You know, no Greek scholar, but it goes on to say that this church is wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Let's be honest. That doesn't sound like believers. We don't see, we don't sing. I once was blind and I'm still blind. Right? I once was blind, now I see. I see clearly God's love for me, the way I'm meant to love everyone else. I see clearly. That's what believers are. They're not wretched, poor, blind. No, no, no. But lukewarm people are. Wretched, poor, blind to the reality of their spiritual situation. As Francis Chan wisely and famously said, you are lukewarm, and you are loving it. So there's the rebuke, okay? I told you it was coming. I warned you. Let's look at the reason for the rebuke, starting in verse 18. Jump in the scripture with me. Jesus is still speaking. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see, like go buy all these things so that you can be fixed. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So the rebuke was you're lukewarm and you don't see yourself rightly. The reason behind the rebuke is because he is giving us discipline and reproof because he loves us. The reason for the rebuke is he loves us. And honestly, Jesus is throwing some serious shade right here. He's taking the city and everything the city is known for, their industry. They were like known for their clothing. And he's saying, you guys think you're clothed. It'd be like Jesus speaking to Americans and being like, you guys think you're clothed with your Nike and your Lulu and your comfort colors and your uh, Gucci. I don't know who wears Gucci, but if you do, that's awesome. Okay. Jesus would be like, hey, you think you're clothed with all this stuff. But really, you need clothing from me. 
You need a white garment of righteousness that can only come from me. You're actually naked. He's throwing shade right at the Laodiceans. And he's like, but here's the reason why. Verse 19, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. I'm telling you this harsh reality of the fact that you're lukewarm because I love you. It hurts so good, right? Harsh may hurt, but often harsh can lead to healing. Just think about this briefly with me. When I made mistakes when I was a kid, my mom always got this thing out right here. I'm sure your parents got out some sort of kitchen appliance to show you a rebuke or discipline, am I correct? And so you see what's in my left hand, these are buns, right? Yes, you remember these days. Anybody bringing back terrible memories? Okay, here's the deal. Like, honestly, I don't even cook with wooden spoons because I'm like, I've seen that spoon before. I'm pretty sure it's seen my butt, okay? Not using that one, okay? Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't stick to these buns, okay? Here's the deal. Settle. I'm never bringing buns out again. Y'all are ridiculous. Here's the deal. Whenever my mom would spank me. Hey, this is getting serious. Y'all, whenever my mom would spank me, she would always say, I'm spanking you because I love you and because of blank. Insert the thing I did wrong, okay? And I used to remember, it used to frustrate me so much, still does kind of, obviously need to work through it, counseling. Anyways, (laughs) moving on. Like I remember I used to think like, no, she's just trying to convince herself that she loves me. She's just whacking me. We're done. (laughs) She's just whacking me because she hates me. She's just saying the love you thing because she has to, right? Like she doesn't actually love me. And it, I didn't realize like what she was doing was so wise. It was so wise. She was disciplining me. She was giving me, she was redirecting me. And she was reminding me why, which was, I love you. So that's why I'm doing this. And it's funny to laugh about now. But again, I did not think it was funny then. I was not the best kid. You can imagine how often I got spanked. And I always used to think that my mom hated me because, or my mom hit me because paddled me because she hated me. And that's a rebuke. But the reason behind the rebuke that Jesus is giving is because he loves us. God loves you. Therefore, he disciplines you. He redirects you. He gives you direction. And sometimes that redirection can can hurt. You know what I love? I love the, the idea that God is our shepherd. So many of us are like, God is my shepherd. I shall not want, right? Psalm 23, we're like, that's an amazing Psalm. I love it. But the reality is God is our shepherd. And sometimes when he's redirecting us with that staff, it's like, oh, it's so soft and sweet and it's great. And then sometimes it's just like the rod of discipline and it hurts, it stings. But the reason behind the redirection is because the shepherd knows best. The shepherd knows best. 
But most of us don't think that God actually knows best. We actually don't think that God actually cares for us in this way. We don't believe that scripture is, or it's, uh, is what it says it is when scripture says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Like what God wants for you is what's best for you. We don't believe that. We don't believe in John 10, 10, that the thief is gonna steal, kill and destroy. Christ has come, God has come so that we could have life and life abundantly, life to the full. We're like, no, 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 Jesus, following Jesus, it's kind of like, that's, a, that's stealing from life, right? But we don't realize like the discipline is all out of love and out of what God knows is best for us. God even does this sometimes by pulling out the rug of our circumstances and the security of our circumstances. He pulls it out from under us to expose us. He's like, hey, you're standing on nothing. And we're like, that really hurts when I fell through that. And he's like, no, 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 this is, this is what's best. And I'm doing this because I love you. But so often we don't receive rebuke because we think the giver of the rebuke has poor motives or doesn't know any better. They don't know any better. And you may think that I'm like here to kill fun and kill Dia and all sorts of other stuff. Or you may think I'm legalistic. But really, I don't care about the sin that I picked on in particular a moment ago. Like you may be lukewarm if you insert blank sin. Like I'm not here to to manage your sin. I'm here because I want you to know that God wants your heart. And the sin that you and I choose is a, is a reflection of the condition of our heart. And so when he, when he returns us to himself, when he disciplines us, it's because he loves us. He's willing to do anything to show you that he loves you. Do you understand this? He's willing to pull out that rug of circumstance. He's willing to give you a little whack in Waco Hall randomly in the middle of the spring with no context whatsoever. He's willing to wake you up even in this room randomly or tomorrow morning as you're reading God's word, he'll do anything to reveal himself to you. He's willing to do so much to show that he loves you. He's willing to send his son, right? His one and only. He's willing to send him and risk his life. And by risk, I mean he was going to give his son hoping that you and I would realize, man, God loves us so much that he sent his son. That's how willing he is. The reason why he rebukes us is because he loves us. I told you about that movie I wasn't supposed to see and the rebuke I received for American Pie. I deserve the rebuke, right? Years later, wasn't too long ago, went to a movie with a group of friends and within the first couple of minutes, naturally, like movies do sometimes, uh, there was a sex scene, explicit. I walked out, embarrassed. I was with friends. I'm like, what do I do? Should I leave? They're all staying. You know, what do you do? And so I walked out, I walked to my car, start crying. And there was this just really, really memorable moment. I got out my phone. I text my mom. I was like, thank you. Thank you. 
I thought you hit me because you hated me, right? But you were disciplining me because you loved me. It took me so, so many years to realize it. Thank you. To this day, I'll never forget it. Just think of an instance where it took you time before you realized the love behind someone's actions, rebuke, or discipline. You ever had that happen to you? Where you realize way later, wow, they meant well. Seriously, think about it. So the rebuke is your lukewarm. The reason for the rebuke is because God loves you and God loves me. And so what's the response is what we're going to look at next. It's the last R that we're going to look at tonight. Starting halfway through verse 19, we'll finish from where we left off. I'll read the first half for you just to remind you of what it says. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Second half, so be zealous and repent. That's the response. Be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him. And he with me, the one who conquers, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. The third point tonight is our response, which is to be zealous and repent. What is zeal? Zeal, I've heard it said, is to boil, to to be on fire. It's to get lit. It's a fervor. It's an advancing of a cause. But here's the reality. Zeal can be misplaced. And in fact, zeal misplaced can be destructive. Look back on Philippians 3. If you can remember, we've taught it before here at Vertical, that Paul was talking about his old self. And he was like, I used to be a persecutor of the church. In fact, zealously persecuting the church. He was a part of the stoning of Stephen. Paul was there. He was the lead guy and and killing Stephen. So you can be zealous about the wrong things. So what I love that Jesus does here is he's like, yeah, be on fire, be zealous. There's, There's this energy, but then he gives a direction. Be zealous and repent. Repentance is to change one's minds and actions, to ask for forgiveness, and then to turn away from. And so the response isn't just leave here and be like, we're going to take over the world. You can do that in a really bad way. Like there are plenty of people that are zealous without Christ. And this is saying, be zealous with Christ. It's an energy and a direction. It's, it's like, run! That's what be zealous is saying. But be zealous and repent is like, hey, run and run to him. Energy and direction. That's our response to the rebuke. And also because of the reason. The reason is so good. We're going to run towards the reason. And I love the image that Jesus uses just after this. It's this imagery of a house. He's knocking. Doesn't sound like a knock, but you get it. He's at the door. He's pursuing you. He wants to be inside the church of Laodicea. 
Jesus is saying, I'm outside the church and I'm meant to be inside. I'm meant to be in right community with you. I'm meant to be with you. I'm meant to abide with you, to remain with you. You know, the word abide that I talk about way too much. It comes from the, there's a similar word abode, which means home. And Jesus is saying, let me into your home. Let me into your heart as Christians so uh, say, right? That's some of the Christianese that we've accepted. But honestly, it's, it's fairly decent. Like Christ is within us. He is making his home within us and we allow him to be within us. And Jesus is saying, I'm knocking at the door. And if you open it, I'll, I'll be in community with you. You can be at my right hand. We can share in all these things together. And just think about Christ in us. Christ is authoritative, merciful, kind, gracious, just, righteous, caring, loving, generous, sacrificial. All these things, the person of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is in us. Does that sound lukewarm to you? No. Saying, be zealous and repent. Let me be in you. Let me have a home in you. Allow me to abide in you and you in me. And so in response tonight, be zealous and repent daily. That means ask for forgiveness, run in the direction of the person of Jesus daily. What do I do on Wednesday? What do we do on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? We we're zealous and we repent. We we rightly understand our need for Christ each and every day. And we live in light of that. In light of him being within us. There's nothing lukewarm about that. I don't want you to take away tonight. Go do more. Surely you don't need that. No, but you do need to know more of the love that God has shown us through his son, Jesus. So be zealous and repent because it shows us and reveals to us more of who God is and the way we were made to live. And so other responses tonight might be for those that are here, it might just be a prayer. Lord, do anything to get me out of my state of lukewarm. Do anything, do whatever it takes, or Lord, lead me in what it looks like to truly follow you in zeal and repentance every single day. I want you to know, I do not want you to leave here and neither does God. God does not want you to leave here without doing business with him, without rightly responding to him. If you are lukewarm, do not leave until you have had a conversation in prayer with the God of the universe and with somebody you trust. Somebody you can tell. Be zealous and repent, but that includes telling somebody, letting someone in, especially the God of the universe. Repentance means to confess and ask for forgiveness and then to turn away. I don't care, again, who you are. If you work for Waco Hall, don't leave. I don't care if you're the chaplain of your fraternity or sorority. If you're lukewarm and you're willing to admit it, don't leave without doing business with the Lord with the Lord. The rebuke is you and I are lukewarm. The reason is you are loved. And the response is be zealous and repent. Lukewarm won't change anything. I'll close with this. Honestly, the devil loves that you're lukewarm, Baylor. MCC and TSTC too. The devil loves that you have a tendency to be lukewarm. 
And the devil doesn't need to persecute you or hurt you. Because the devil persecutes people that talk about Jesus. So if you've ever wondered why you haven't been persecuted, why I haven't been persecuted, I've thought that before. And I'm starting to realize it's because we're no threat to the devil. Lukewarm people aren't threats to the devil. He persecutes those who talk about him. People who are lukewarm aren't threats. We aren't a problem to him. So again, I'll say lukewarm won't change anything. But zealous, repentant Christians can change the world. I'm going to pray that we do and that the Lord would allow us to be a part. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for a rebuke that is loving and gracious and kind. Thank you for a clear response of how we should leave here. Lord, would you use us? Would you allow us to be a part of it? Be a part of a work of revival, reformation on this campus. Thank you for bringing people to Waco, unifying people in Waco giving us a way to to gather together and even just pray for you to continue to work. Lord, I pray that you would revive vertical. I pray that you would revive churches. I pray that you would revive Baylor. I pray that you would revive students. I pray that you would revive administration. I pray that you would uh, revive spiritual life, chapel. I pray that you would revive athletics. I pray that you would revive in every single thing in this campus and in this city, Lord, would you do it, please? And would you do it by just showing us that we are lukewarm and loving it and that is not the way we were meant to live. And Lord, we declare that you would do it again, what you've done on this campus before in the 1940s. Would you do that work here again? Lord, we pray this boldly all in your name.